Yeah, let's give him glory, give him praise, because he does, he's worthy, worthy to be praised, worthy to be praised. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this day, Father. We thank you for all that you have done for us up to this point, Father. We thank you for the days that we've gone through, seen and unseen. Father, we give you praise for it right now in the name of Jesus. And Father, I declare as the word go forth, Father, we have a mind to receive and our hearts open to receive your word, Father, to produce fruit in our lives. And Father, we just give you all praise and glory and honor. Father, this time I ask that I decrease, that you increase, that your voice go forth, and the Holy Spirit speaks through me to give your people what they need to know on this day. And we give you all praise, glory, and honor. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. You know, God has given us all kinds of gifts. You know, I think the pastor was talking the other day of something like 6,000 different gifts. But this morning I want to talk to you about three special gifts that God gave to the body. And each one of these gifts probably take a sermon on its own, so it's going to probably be a little bit compressed. So when we run through the scriptures, I got copies out there if you can't get online to, to, to pull them down. But we're going to run through them pretty quick. Um, the first of these gifts we'd like to talk about is the gift of grace. You know, the first gift is grace. When you talk about grace, uh, we'll go to Ephesians 2 and 8. Ephesians 2 and 8, starting to the 8th verse. I'm reading from the King James Version. For grace, for by grace you are saved through faith, and that not yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. So regardless of what you think and regardless of what you do, it's nothing you can do about grace. God gave you that gift, and that's your gift. You know, a lot of times you can be in the natural. You can give somebody a gift, and they sort of, Either turn it down or not do anything with it. But we cannot earn grace. It's nothing you can do. It's nothing you can say. It's nothing you can buy. It is a gift of God. All right, I'm going to go to 2 Timothy 1 and 9. Starting at the ninth verse. Who have saved us and called us with a holy calling, not according to our works, but according to our purpose and grace which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. God knew before the world began. He said in his word that he knew you in your mother's womb. So he knew he had to, who he had to afford grace to. He knew that he had to give man grace because that's the only way man can come back to him, through grace. You know, grace is not something we find in human nature. Because you can't expect to get something if you're not deserving of it. You think about it. You at work and you never do anything. Then the boss can come up and give you this big citation for working hard. You're going to say, well, I don't deserve that. See, it don't, it don't agree with human nature. And likewise, you can't expect to get paid for, for, for the wrong that you have done. You can't expect to be out there on the road speed and then go to court and they give you $100. <laughs> See, it don't match up with the natural, but grace is a gift from God. The second, the, 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 the second we want to talk about is grace is God's sufficiency. You know, when Paul was going through his little ordeal, and uh, we'll go to 2 second, second, um, Corinthians 12 and 9. When Paul, when Paul was going through his little ordeal about, you know, he was, he was getting this thorn, this thorn in his side. And we prayed to God to, to, to remove it. 
But then Paul said, your grace, his grace is sufficient for me. All right, let's go to, to 2 Corinthians 12 and 9, starting at the ninth verse. And he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. See, we got to get to the point where we just give it all up. See, when Paul was trying to do things in his own strength, in his own way, he never got to that point. But we need to get to the point where we have total surrender. That's when God can release his grace. It has to be total surrender. You can't say, okay, I can do this in my own strength. Because when it said, in your weakness, he is made perfect. In other words, when you are the weakest, God is the strongest in your life. But he can only do that when you totally surrender. Mostly glad, therefore, would I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Verse 10, therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities and in reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. See, when you're at your weakest, when you surrender all to God, then his full power can be released in your life. And Paul knew this when he was uh, when he, when he, he, um, in Galatians. He said, uh, I do not frustrate the grace of God for righteousness by the law. Then Christ died in vain. So if we try to do everything within our own power, then when Christ went to the cross, his death is in vain. Because when he hung on that cross, he said, it is finished. When he said it is finished, then everything that we needed, God has already prepared for us. Because he told us in his word, he said, we have have all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. He has already given us all that we need. It's just a matter of receiving. My third point, grace is God's sustainment. I'm going to go to 1 Corinthians 15 and 10. Starting at the 10th verse. But by grace, by the grace of God, I am what I am. See, when you're at your weakest, God is working in you to give you the thing that you need. And his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was, given, was not in vain. But I labeled more abundantly than all, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Let's go to Romans 5 and 20. Moreover, the law entered that offense might be abound. But where sin abound, grace is much more abound. That's where God is sufficient in our life. Wherever sin is, grace is much more than that sin. You know, when, when, when they came in with the law saying, okay, you have to live by the law. But when Jesus came and gave us grace... The law had no more effect on us. So when that offense came in, our grace, God's grace, was much more abound in our lives. You know, we can talk, we can talk about all these, all of God's gifts. But, you know, putting it in the natural, it's hard to put God's grace in the natural. So let, let, let me tell you a story. This was in, this was in the 18th century. Uh, a, devout, a devout woman of God. She knew that she didn't have too much longer to live. So what she did, she had a son. And she taught her son everything there was to know about the gospel and about Jesus Christ and about Christianity. 
When her child was seven years old, she died. The child grew up, but he veered away from the ways that she was taught. He, he went totally away from it. So he went into the world, he became a, a ship captain. So he went out on, he went out on, the, on, the, on the high seas, and he became a, a captain of a, of, a slave, of a slave ship. And he was mean, just like a Simon Legree. The crew hated him. No one could get along with him. And one night when he was drunk, he fell off the ship. So the crew looked down at him. And so what they did, they took one of them big harpoons. You know what a harpoon is? They took one of those large harpoons and they threw at him in order to get him back on the ship. But the harpoon went through his leg. So they pulled him back on the ship. So now, and then once, he, once all this happened, he began to praise God. And with every step he made with that bad leg, it said it was a reminder just how much grace and mercy that that crew had when he was out in that water. And you know that was John Newton. And he has written hundreds of, of, of hymns now. But the greatest one he wrote was Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, to Save a Wretch Like Me. And see, we need to be at that point. You know, God has given us grace, unmerited favor, because we don't deserve it. And there's nothing we can do about it. And he put it out there just for us. The second gift we want to talk about is the Holy Spirit. And this could be a, a sermon all by itself. About the gift of the Holy Spirit. The first one I'm going to make is Holy Spirit give us power. I want to go to Acts 2 and 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the Holy Ghost. I will go to Acts 1 and 8. But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. You know when God, when Jesus ascended and he left the disciples here. It took 12 men. But when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, they turned the world upside down. Because of the power they had with the Holy Spirit. When you think, uh, just think about Peter in, in, in his first sermon. When Peter got up to preach, all the Pharisees, the Sadducees looked at him and said, what, How does God speak like this? Wasn't he a fisherman? But then they knew when he was speaking that he had been with Jesus. And Jesus said, I will not leave you comfortless. And the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit was bestowed to them. And the disciples, with the help of the Holy Spirit, turned this world upside down. The next point is the, the, the Holy Spirit is a comforter. It is a teacher. I will go to John 14, 26. But the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost... Whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said to you. Have you ever been to a point where you are, where you are just about ready to do something and then something stops you? 
some people call it intuition, but it's the Holy Spirit. It's the promptings of the Holy Spirit. You know, God said, well, for every temptation, he gives you a way to escape. That is your way to escape. When the Holy Spirit prompts you, say, oh, is this the right thing to do? Am I going about the right way? See, the Holy Spirit is our, t- the Holy Spirit is our guide. It directs, it teaches, and it guides us. The next point of the Holy Spirit is an intercessor. Let me go to Romans 8 and 26. Starting at 26 verse. Likewise, the Spirit also helped our firmness, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself make intercessions for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. And he that searches the hearts knoweth what is the mind of the Spirit, because he make an intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that things work together for the good for them that love God and them that are called according to his purpose. Have you ever been in a situation where you just didn't know what to pray for? Where you didn't just know what to say to the person? I told um, 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 something that happened back in the 70s. We were at Bible study one night. And it was about this, about this family down there in Alabama. And uh, the father was inside looking at television and heard his son screaming. Then he heard his daughter screaming. So he ran outside and come to find out that his son had got into a nest of snakes up under the house. And his daughter tried to help the son out and then, at the, and then she got overcome by the snakes. So the father saw everything was happening and trying to pull him out. He finally got his daughter out and threw her in the car. And then in his haste to get her to the hospital, he ran over his other son. Now in a situation like that, if you were caught there without the help of the Holy Spirit, how do you minister to that family? How do you pray for that family? That's when the Holy Spirit makes intercession on our behalf. You know, through groanings that we cannot understand. The Holy Spirit would tell us how to minister at the time that we need it. My fourth point, the Holy Spirit is a keeper. I want to go to Ephesians 1 and 13. In whom ye also trusted, after that you have heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in who also after that ye believed, you were sealed with the Holy Ghost of Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption and the purchased possession unto the praise of glory. Have you ever went to a, lo- to a place and they give you a, let's say give you a coupon. Say, okay, now you can take this coupon and you can cash it in for anything that you want. You know, it's the same thing that we have been purchased, we have been bought with a price. And God has already, Jesus has already redeemed us. He holds our coupon. And on that great day, our coupon is presented and we're held blameless. We enter into glory. See, that's why he said our redemption of the person's possession unto the praise of his glory and the earnest of our inheritance. Our faith is sealed by what Jesus did at the cross. And through the Holy Spirit, believe it or not, 
The Holy Spirit is our ticket to glory. The Holy Spirit is what can translate us from the natural into the supernatural. So don't give away your coupon. Keep the ticket. Because that's our ticket to glory. The third gift we want to talk about is probably one of the greatest gifts God gave to the body is the gift of the pastor. You know, we don't know what the pastors go through a lot of times. You know, we just see them on Sunday and everything is good. They're always, always in good spirits, like nothing is going on. But if you know what's going on after hours, you have a different perspective when you see them. You say, I don't know how y'all keep going on. Because they go through a lot. But God, I'm going to uh, the pastor. want to say is, a, is after God's heart. I want to go to Jeremiah 3 and 15. And I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with the knowledge and the understanding. He will give us pastors after his own heart. So you know when you got a pastor, a pastor not only has to accept, but a pastor has to be called. I was reading an article in, in, a, in one, of the, one of the periodicals, and it was saying the most difficult jobs and professions in America. Do you know pastors ranked up there near the top? Because it is not easy. It is a difficult job to be a pastor. Because he's dealing with one of the most precious commodities it is, which is the saints. And see, he's not doing it of his own. See, the pastor's held in charge. He has a charge to keep. I'm going to get ahead of myself, but a pastor has a charge to keep. And not only do we have to worry about his soul, but he also has to account for yours. Let me go to Ephesians 4 and 11. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors, and some, some teachers. For the, protecting of, for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body. Now when you think about a pastor, he said he perfected us for the working of the ministry. A lot of people say, okay, well the pastor got that, or the pastor do that, but it's not the pastor's responsibility. What is the pastor's responsibility? He works to perfect the saints. The saints are the ministers. The pastor is not the minister on everything you do. You are the ministers. So when he said perfect the saints, he said bringing you to maturity. Bringing you to maturity in Christ. To do the thing that the minister needs to do. See, the, see, God gives the pastor the vision. It is for us to get alongside of the pastor to ensure that vision come to pass. Verse number 13, until we all come into the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto the perfect man, unto the measure and the stature and the fullness of Christ. See, the pastors bring us along until we get to that point where we are getting to the point of being perfected. And like I said, that perfecting, we get to the point of being mature in Christ. We get to the point where we can carry on the ministry. We can carry on the ministry gifts. We can carry on his vision. 
on what needs to be done because the pastor is the only one to have the vision. You can think, okay, I know which way the church needs to go, but you don't. God give the visions to the pastors. That we henceforth be no more children tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by slight of men and cunning is craftiness. See, the pastor protects us. He knows when a con man is in the house. He does. See, God gives him that ability. He knows when a con man is in the house and what needs to be done. So he protects us. You know, when God gave us pastors, when he gave us the ultimate expression of his love, what did he do? He came to earth himself. He so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. But when he wanted to show the church his love, he sent a pastor, a man after his own heart, a person after his own heart. All right, the pastor is also a shepherd. I'll go to 1 Peter 5, 1 and 4. The elders which are among you I exhort, who, also, who am also an elder and a witness in the sufferings of Christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but for a ready mind, Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples of the, to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. See, the pastor is not the shepherd. Jesus is the shepherd. The pastor is the under-shepherd. And see, we need to make sure that the pastor is, 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 is bound to give us a, a balanced diet of the word of God. He protects us from the enemy. He won't allow anything in the fold that will cause us harms. The next topic of pastor's charge. 2 Timothy 4, 1 and 2. I charge you therefore before God and the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ who, all, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. So the pastor has, has, has the charge. He has to reprove us, to expose things that's wrong in our lives for the purpose of improvement. He has to rebuke us. Sometimes he'll say, hey, you just did, you wrong. That's it. You wrong. And he has to exhort. During that time, he has to build us up. So he rebuke, he reprove, rebuke, and exhort. That is the pastor's job. And it have, he, he does it with the help of the, of the Holy Spirit. Well, I'm, I'm going to skip down to, uh, to D, our charge. What is our responsibilities? I want to go to Hebrews 13 and 17. Obey them that have, rule, that have the rule over you. And submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls. And they that must give an account that they may do it with joy and not with grief for that is unprofitable to you. <laughs> See the pastor has to watch over your soul but guess what? He has to do it with joy. He has to do it without grief. And that is something hard to do. You know we talked about these gifts and 
we might be able to make it, you know, with the two gifts. Or, 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 or you know, God forbid that we don't accept all the gifts. But there's no way the pastor can do without grace. There's no way the pastor can do without the gift of the Holy Spirit. So all these things come into the play. And, he's, and, and God gives them all the things he needs because he have to, the pastors have to be called. You know, when I, when, I, when I read this article about all these different occupations and what everybody was doing and how difficult it was for a pastor to keep his position, it's because they're not called. You have to be called to be a pastor. You know, we go through all these changes, but we have to protect our pastor. We have to hold him up. We have to keep him in prayer. You know, we have to be the intercessor for our pastors. You know, go, who else would do it besides us? You know, the pastor is a shepherd. When you think about a shepherd, you think about sheep. Sheep have very, very little protective power. In other words, if the pastor being attacked, you don't see a sheep with teeth running up trying to bite whoever's there. <laughs> so we have to rely on the, on, 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 the, on the Holy Spirit. We have to rely on prayer and intercessions. Keep them lifted up. Keep them in front of God. Keep them covered. So while we're here... You know, we went through all these, all these gifts, but I want to make one confession, and I want y'all to join in, join in on this confession, and we'll, we'll present it to the pastor. And please repeat after me, but only if you are sincere. Before God, Before God I pledge myself to fully cooperate, cooperate with my pastors and support them by joining together the spiritual activities and labels for the advancement of the kingdom of God. I will fully cooperate with their ministry and comply with their teachings and preaching and follow them as they follow Christ.